You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome, friends. Welcome. It is Monday, Labor Day evening for those of you back stateside. And so thank you for tuning in for tonight's edition of Corbett Report Radio. But if you're listening to this uh, radio broadcast inside your home, what are you doing? You should be out there enjoying the last few hours of summer holidays before it's back to the daily grind. So uh, so I wish I was in your shoes, and I hope that you are outside right now sitting at a beach with your transistor radio and or, I don't know, relaxing at the barbecue pit or wherever you might be tonight outside enjoying these last few hours of golden sunshine before the day-to-day dreary drudgery of the 9 to 5 grinds you back down into the ground. Myself, I am cooped up inside, working on bringing you this alternative media as usual, and you will forgive today if you hear the clattering and hammering of the construction workers in the background as the construction workers who have been painting this apartment building for the past few weeks are taking down the scaffolding precisely now, so uh, they'll probably be coming by and hammering quite uh, quite vigorously tonight. So you'll have to put up with a bit of that, but hopefully we'll be able to talk ourselves through it. And uh, you'll forgive me if I wax a little bit poetic once again at the turning of the seasons. I know I did this back in the spring, but it is uh, striking me afresh every time with the, with the cycles of the seasons and the ebb and flow of the year and the turning of the uh, the tides and the raising and the lowering of the temperatures and the rousing and the stirring of life and then the dying of life in the fall and uh, the renewal again in the spring with all of these cycles it does bring to mind just how incredible it is as you get older that uh, it really is true i used to just think of it as something that people said but it really is true as you get older the enti- entire years pass by in the blinking of an eye and they can be gone before you know it and hopefully not before you've had a chance to to really savor it and to uh, to appreciate it but it does bring back to mind the cyclical nature of the earth that we're living on and how so much of our life is dominated by cycles. The comings and goings, the high tides and the low tides, the, the ebbings and flowings, and uh, things tend to come back and repeat and repeat and repeat. And so that's kind of what we're going to be getting into tonight on the broadcast. No uh, new topics or news or information tonight. Tonight I'm going to do some updates and addendums to things that we've been working on recently and following up with, with some loose ends and other things that we've left out there. But I did want to take this moment in the first couple of minutes in the broadcast just to contemplate this uh, cyclical nature of things and how we tend to end up coming back to the same spot over and over again in our lives in all sorts of different ways, both metaphorical and literal. And I suppose that's a good thing, because each time we return, after another spin around the sun, we are another year older, and hopefully another year wiser, and uh, that is something we can all aspire to at any rate. And if that is true, and if we are coming back to the same spot time and time again with just a little bit more wisdom each and every time then hopefully that means that there is hope for us and that at the end of the day, this isn't a futile endeavor raging against the the howling of the wind and uh, raging like madmen. Hopefully there is uh, a cyclical nature to this and that people are 
every time they hear about 9-11 Truth or about any of the other issues that we talk about here on the broadcast, it's sinking in a little bit deeper, and it's reaching and spreading out a little bit wider as these ripples play out across the pond. So uh, hopefully you encounter that in your own lives, and uh, if I didn't believe that it was possible for us to keep continuing to spread this word out further and further, I wouldn't be here doing this. So... On that note, we're going to take our first break, and we're going to come back tonight doing some updates and addendums to stories that we've been working on and going over some, some information that we missed the first time around. So I hope you're strapped in for tonight's broadcast, wherever you might be, and uh, let's, uh, let's take a short breather, and we'll be right back with more right after this. It's absolutely essential that Americans understand the truth about 9-11. One day in Manhattan Clear as could be Till the planes hit the buildings Changed history They stood for an hour Once the damage was Cascading projections of steel into dust Looked like explosions, but it was not discussed So I turn off the TV And shut out the light It's all just illusion Right in front of my eyes Well, I'm not scared cleanest of all Yet the world still knows nothing Of this amazing free fall There was no real reason Wasn't hit by a plane They say it was a fire Yet you can't see the flame Projections of steel into dust Looks like demolition But it's never discussed So turn off the TV And shut out the lights It's all just illusion Right in front of my eyes Well, I'm not scared to die
All right, welcome back to the broadcast, friends. That was Eva James with a song called Sharing the Truth. And that is available both on YouTube, where you can watch the video, and if you are watching the video of this radio broadcast at home, after downloading it from CorbettReport.com, you will have just watched that video. Or otherwise, you can go watch it on YouTube. It's directed by We Are Change Atlanta, so I'll put the link for that in the show notes for tonight's episode at CorbettReport.com slash radio. Or you can uh, go to cdbaby.com and you can actually uh, purchase that song for 99 cents. So I uh, suggest you do so and we'll add that song into the bumper music for this program along with some of that other music that we were playing last Friday night. So once again, we are doing some updates and addendums and additional information tonight. And of course, I've heard from quite a few of you out there regarding last Friday night's Truth Music episode. But uh, as I stated at the end of that episode, I do appreciate the, the, the suggestions that people have out there for, for artists that they like. But if you yourself are an artist and you yourself can grant me the use of your music, I'll be happy to play it on air here to, uh, to get some people interested in your art and uh, hopefully towards a truth message. So, uh, so keep that in mind for people out there who are interested. At any rate, once again, those links will be in the show notes for tonight's episode, so you can go to CorbettReport.com slash radio shortly after tonight's episode airs in order to find that. And once again, if you're just tuning in, I apologize for the clattering and hammering in the background. There is construction work going on at my apartment as we speak here in the sunny climes of western Japan, so you'll just have to bear with me. But moving along to some other updates of things that uh, we were talking about before, last Thursday night on the program, we were talking about hacking the matrix, the idea of finding some various uh, ways to at least better improve our browsing habits and online uh, security habits so that we're not as easy targets for whoever may be out there, whether that be a government agency or otherwise. So we went over, for example, some add-ons that you can get for Mozilla Firefox, the browser that I would recommend more so at any rate than uh, than Internet Explorer or Google Chrome or any of the other major uh, uh, browsers that are owned by the, the big corporations that openly and, and completely above board, they operate 100% with the U.S. government. Well, with uh, the Mozilla Firefox browser, at the very least, there are some add-ons that you can uh, install into your browser that help improve security in various ways. So last Thursday, we were talking about some various uh, browser, browser add-ons that I use. And tonight on the program, I want to introduce you to some more browser add-ons that were available for download. Again, they're completely free extensions that you can add to your Mozilla Firefox experience. And... Uh, and what we had a user, a listener called Dishope, Dishypnosis, write in with some some of his own suggestions for some browser add-ons. So let's go through some of them. One of them is called TrueBlock Plus, and this is an extension for AdBlock Plus. And uh, that was one that I forgot to go over on the program the other day, but in fact, I do have installed on my Firefox as well. AdBlock Plus is a, an add-on that will basically just take all of the advertisements out of the websites that you visit so that uh, you don't have to look at their ugly uh, eyesore <laughs> presence on the, whatever website you might be on. With the added bonus that uh, I don't even get ads on YouTube or the vid- various video websites out there. So... Um, so it does do a good job of eliminating that. This true block plus is basically ad block plus, but it also disables um, this uh, this acceptable advertisement feature that ad block plus has, so that you truly don't get any advertising. 
Well, if that's useful for you, you can either go with AdBlockPlus or TrueBlockPlus. I'll put the link for TrueBlockPlus in the, the notes for today's episode. There's also an interesting add-on that I hadn't heard of before called Google Sharing, which claims to provide a level of anonymity that will prevent Google from tracking your search and web activity. It says Google Sharing is a system that mixes the requests of many different users together such that Google is not capable of telling what is coming from whom. Google Sharing aims to do a few very specific things. One, provide a system that will prevent Google from collecting information about you from services which don't require a login. Two, make the system completely transparent to the user. No special websites, no change to your workflow. And three, leave your non-Google traffic completely untouched, unredirected, and unaffected. So it's an interesting idea, and uh, I certainly um, understand how it could work in theory and practice. Um, I'm not sure. Once again, it's like putting your information into a black box and hoping that the person who owns that black box is doing with it as they say they are. So, again, take it with the grain of salt that you should with every uh, promise that's made by some online entity that you don't have direct access to. But it's a good idea, at any rate, to combine people's searches so that uh, they don't have anything to do with your particular IP address, etc. But I think it would be a lot easier and probably a lot more efficient just to bypass Google altogether, completely 100% boycott them, and go with a completely different uh, search engine like, as I said on the program last Thursday, startpage.com or DuckDuckGo. Again, I've had people recommend that to me. I myself have never even visited it so uh, because I'm perfectly happy with StartPage. But again, take your browser of choice and hope, or take your search engine of choice, and hopefully it won't be Google and you won't feed the beast. Another uh, add-on that was suggested by Dishypnosis is Better Privacy. And this is one that I used to have installed, but I forgot to reinstall after uh, my big computer crash last year that some of you out there might remember. And this one says it will remove or manage a new and uncommon kind of cookie, better known as LSOs. The Better Privacy Safeguard offers various ways to handle flash cookies set by Google, YouTube, eBay, and others. So uh, I'll let you read into this talking about flash cookies, local shared objects, and how this uh, scrubs your browser of it every time you uh, sign out of Firefox or or whatever uh, setting you want to put it to. Uh, an interesting uh, add-on, and I have reinstalled that on my own system, so thank you to Dishypnosis for offering that. But on a note of you're probably never going to get ultimately win the uh, the battle, but you have to keep trying... We have this from uh, Bruce Schneier at Schneier.com. From August of 2011, he had a post called New Undeletable Web Cookie, which, as a couple of weeks ago, Wired reported the discovery of a new undeletable web cookie. Researchers at UC Berkeley have discovered that some of the net's most popular sites are using a tracking service that can't be evaded, even when users block cookies, turn off storage in Flash, or use browsers' incognito functions. The Wired article was very short on specifics, so I waited until one of the researchers, Ashken Sultani, wrote up more details. He finally did in a quite technical essay. And I will let, leave you to go exploring that essay and what it ta- talks about there with Kissmetrics and this new undeletable web uh, cookie. It's just uh, uh, an uphill battle to fight against the the invasions on online privacy, as I'm sure all of you out there know if you've tried to do so. But once again, it's something that we have to at least keep ourselves informed on, on enough to be able to keep up to date with what's going on and hopefully do our best to limit our exposure online and uh, the types of security invasions that happen. 
All right, let's take another break. Once again, we'll be back after this short break to continue with tonight's updates and addendums here on Corporate Report Radio. All right, friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Once again, I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight on this Labor Day edition of the broadcast, we're going over some updates and addendums to things that we've been covering here in the past. And as uh, I'm sure people out there by, uh, know by now, if you've listened to this broadcast or any of my other work for any length of time, you will know by now that uh, I have a, a special hatred in my heart for Google and uh, and uh, and Apple and Microsoft and all of the other tech giants that collaborate and gang up and monopolize what's happening online and increasingly steer us and shunt us off towards the all-seeing, all-pervasive spy security state. And uh, I think that is obvious and it's justified and I think it doesn't need much explanation why we should be at even if these companies had our best interests at heart and truly did care about us, why we should still resist against the the monopolization of what's going on online because again it puts too much power into too few hands and uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely as we all know. So I don't think it needs much explanation, but uh, but just by way of explanation, let's talk about something that I don't usually get into. I'm not one of these hosts that sits up here and talks about how every time my website goes down, it's a hack attack from the CIA, etc., etc. No, sometimes things just happen and things go wrong and technology fails. But uh, But there is definitely a sense in which... Some of my work definitely has ruffled some feathers, and I think that there are some um, some people in some some of these uh, companies and corporations that don't seem to like me so much. And it, they say that if you're getting flack, then you must be over the target. So I guess the corporate report must be over the target. Because uh, all of these big online monopolization uh, companies have, in one way or another, uh, messed with my ability to get out there in a bigger way. And it's something that I'm working on behind the scenes, but... Let's just talk a little bit about what's going on. First of all, for the subscribers out there to the Corbett Report who subscribe to my monthly newsletter by either a monthly or a yearly payment of as little as 100 Japanese yen a month, that's about a buck 40 a month, um, a cup of, less than a cup of coffee a month um, to subscribe and to keep help me keep doing what I'm doing. Well, uh, the unfortunate thing is that uh, the only way to really facilitate that international transfer for from wherever in the world you might be into my Japanese bank account, the only feasible way of doing that at this point is through PayPal, which of course is uh, the the company that played ball and has the connections in the right places and whose head attends Bilderberg, etc., etc. So they get to circumvent all the laws that you and I would have to uh, would basically never be able to circumvent if we tried to set up such a system unless you're going through something like Bitcoin that uh, completely circumvents the traditional notion of currency altogether. But for any traditional, you know, people wanting to pay with the, the dollars that they earn at their job to uh, to into my pocketbook, unfortunately, it has to go through PayPal at this point. And that's why I never suggest people sign up for PayPal in order to become a subscriber to my work. I'd prefer if you just took my work for free and spread it out to others as your repayment to me. And that is a uh, an absolute repayment because ultimately all that matters in the end is the the information itself. But uh, on that note, PayPal has 
bizarrely enough, taken to starting to unsubscribe, to suspend some of the subscriptions of the people out there. And sometimes, supposedly, it's because there are insufficient funds, so the person can't uh, can't pay their their monthly fee, so it suspends their payments. Or, or uh, if they change their credit card details, etc., it's supposed to suspend their payments. But sometimes, as I've heard from a number of different subscribers recently, it has just randomly suspended their subscription. And this is happening uh, quite a bit recently. In the past week or two, there's been uh, several uh, subscriptions that were just suddenly suspended by PayPal, and I have absolutely no idea why this is, and I'm not likely to get a clear answer on this anytime soon, because PayPal is one of those companies that does not have human support, no matter how you try to contact them. So if you are subscribed to the Corbett Report, and uh, you don't ne- regularly check the email address you have associated with your PayPal account, you might want to do so and just see if you are still paying that monthly payment, because PayPal might have taken it upon itself to randomly suspend your subscription. I don't know why this is, but it is. So uh, once again, just one of those things that just tends to happen to people in the alternative media. And uh, not just PayPal, Apple as well, that uh, that beautiful bidden Apple that's on my computer and I'm sure many of the other devices that people have out there. The iTunes store has become uh, just a a lost cause for me, basically, after I'm sure some of you might be aware, a couple of years ago, my my RSS feed for my podcast was up on the Apple iTunes store, so people could find me on the iTunes store, but Apple just randomly broke the link. They changed it to a random URL, and I had no access to that URL, so I couldn't redirect it back to my address. I was in touch with Google, uh, with Apple support, sorry, for for months and months and months trying to resolve it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it was clear I was not communicating with a human being. It was just a robot that was just telling me the same things over and over, and there was no way I could resolve it. So I eventually gave up, and uh, and my podcast was removed from the Apple iTunes store altogether. Um, I'm now not able to even submit a podcast feed, so once again I'm starting this ridiculous process of trying to hassle with Apple to get my podcast on the iTunes store, and it's just this colossal headache where it really shouldn't be. And of course there's the ongoing battle with Google, GooTube, YouTube, and the fact that it will just simply not give me longer than 15 minute uploads for my videos, because... Because of uh, I use clips from other news broadcasts in my broadcasts, which of course is completely fair use, but try telling that to GooTube. So once again, I'll direct people to youtube.com slash news, which is becoming a repository of sorts and archive for Corbett Report videos. So thank you once again to the person who's handling that YouTube account. Once again, let's take another short break and we'll be back with more updates and addendums on this edition of Corbett Report Radio. Okay, friends, welcome back to the broadcast. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. As tonight, we are going over a number of pieces of information that uh, we want to come back to and to not give up on because, of course, it can be tempting, I suppose, in this line of work to cover something and feel that it's been covered and that you can move on. But, of course, a lot of the news keeps revolving back to the same spot and the same things. And Although we may have talked about it before, perhaps even sometimes ad nauseum, it does bear repeating again and again and again. And on that note, we have a somewhat surprising story that uh, that is a good story overall. I'm glad that it's uh, making news and that it's uh, generating some inform- some some talk and, and people are thinking about this again. 
It's from uh, Desmond Tutu, who uh, just wrote a an op-ed that appeared in The Guardian on guardian.co.uk just yesterday, and it's under the headline, Why I Had No Choice But to Spurn Tony Blair. It says, I couldn't sit with someone who justified the invasion of Iraq with a lie. And he writes, quote, The immorality of the United States and Great Britain's decision to invade Iraq in 2003, premised on the lie that Iraq possessed weapons of mass destruction, has destabilized and polarized the world to a greater extent than any other conflict in history. Instead of recognizing that the world we lived in, with increasingly sophisticated communications, transportations, and weapon systems, necessarily sophisticated leadership, necessitated sophisticated leadership that would bring the global family together, the then leaders of the US and UK fabricated the grounds to behave like playground bullies and drive us further apart. They have driven us to the edge of a precipice where we now stand with the specter of Syria and Iran before us. If leaders may lie, then who should tell the truth? Days before George W. Bush and Tony Blair ordered the invasion of Iraq, I called the White House and spoke to Condoleezza Rice, who was then National Security Advisor, to urge that United Nations weapon inspectors be given more time to confirm or deny the existence of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Should they be able to confirm such findings, finding such weapons, I argued, dismantling the threat would have the support of virtually the entire world. Ms. Rice demurred, saying there was too much risk and the president would not postpone any longer. On what grounds do we decide that Robert Mugabe should go to the International Criminal Court, Tony Blair should join the International Speaker's Circuit, Bin Laden should be assassinated, but Iraq should be invaded, not because it possesses weapons of mass destruction, as Mr. Bush's chief supporter, Mr. Blair, confessed last week, but in order to get rid of Saddam Hussein. The cost of the decision to rid Iraq of its, by all accounts, despotic and murderous leader has been staggering, beginning in Iraq itself. Last year, an average of 6.5 people died there each day in suicide attacks and vehicle bombs, according to the Iraqi Body Count Project. More than 110,000 Iraqis have died in the conflict since 2003, and millions have been displaced. By the end of last year, Nearly 4,500 American soldiers had been killed and more than 32,000 wounded. On these grounds alone, in a consistent world, those responsible for this suffering and loss of life should be treading the same path as some of their African and Asian peers who have been made to answer for their actions in The Hague. I'll let you continue reading that editorial, and even with the numbers that I think have been greatly disinflated, and there have been estimates of as many as a million Iraqis killed as a direct result of the invasion of Iraq in 2003, but even with those disinflated numbers, it's still very heartening to see that there are still some people who are willing to say that the emperor has no call clothes and to call out these would-be emperors as they try to retreat off into the sunset with their spoils and to basically bring it back to the attention of the public and say, no, wait, look, these people are war criminals and they should be tried as such. Now, I think there are certain problems with the very idea of an international criminal court and the idea of international criminal justice as that plays into the globalist agenda, but certainly that Tony Blair or 
George Bush should be accountable for their war crimes, I don't think anyone would dispute. And this story has uh, started making waves and is being picked up even at places like Gawker.com. Desmond Tutu, George W. Bush, and Tony Blair should face prosecution for Iraq war. So it is starting to make some waves, and hopefully there will at least be a few more people out there who haven't yet thought about this issue or committed one way or another who will be finally willing to divest themselves of whatever they invested in that system and in these puppet leaders when they voted for them all those many years ago and uh, thus committed themselves to doubling down on the all of the lies and the crimes that were committed by their administrations. Hopefully just a few more of those people will realize what happened to them. And I am not exactly holding my breath that this will result in criminal prosecution, but the very least that we can hope for is that people will not be duped again. Once again, the cycles continue and we come around and around to the same spots, but hopefully we come around each time a little bit older and a little bit wiser and a little bit more able to see through the veneer of the illusions that they want to use to try to keep us dumbed down and complacent. So on that note, let's take a look at something that I did last last year, yes, when uh, George W. Bush visited uh, Canada. He came to Canada to give a speech in BC, and he was greeted by a, uh, a warm reception by the people of British Columbia. In fact, he was roundly denounced as a war criminal and was protested almost as vigorously as Dick Cheney was. And it's good to know that Dick Cheney was protested so vigorously when he came to Canada last year, because uh, once again, that shows that people understand that the power structure is a little bit more complicated than just the puppet that they dangle out. And certainly Bush was a puppet, but the fact that he went along with what his puppet masters wanted him to means that he definitely is guilty of the war crimes that he has been accused of. So let's take a listen to this report that I did for GRTV back in October of last year, in which I talked about Bush's visit to British Columbia and the growing movement in Canada to arrest these war criminals whenever they enter the country. Last week... Former U.S. President George W. Bush traveled to Canada to deliver an address to an economic forum. Now, concerned Canadian citizens are asking why their country is one of the few on the planet that refuses to prosecute Bush for war crimes. This is the GRTV Backgrounder. Welcome. This is James Corbett of Global Research TV at grtv.ca. Human rights groups, civil rights campaigners, and concerned citizens united in their condemnation of the visit of former U.S. President George W. Bush to Canada last week for a speaking engagement in Surrey, British Columbia. Bush's visit rekindled debates among Canadians about their government's willingness to host an unconvicted war criminal who is guilty of authorizing torture in contravention of numerous international treaties and the laws of his own country. Preparations for the visit have been underway for weeks, with Amnesty International sending a memorandum to the Canadian government in September outlining the grounds for arresting and prosecuting Bush for war crimes, and the Canadian group Lawyers Against the War having drafted a similar document for the Prime Minister back in August when the engagement was first announced. The Lawyers Against the War document cites Bush's aiding and abetting of torture at Guantanamo Bay, Abu Ghraib, Bagram, and other locations as the legal basis for refusing him entry to Canada under the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act. As evidence of that torture, the memo cites a 2006 UN report, a 2007 Council of Europe report, 
a 2008 U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee report, the testimony of U.N. Special Rapporteurs Manfred Nowak and Martin Scheinin, a 2009 admission by Bush's Vice President Dick Cheney, and Bush's own 2010 memoirs, in which he admitted to authorizing torture techniques, such as waterboarding. Perhaps the most blatant admission of torture came from Bush's own mouth in November of 2010, when the Times of London asked whether the use of waterboarding by his administration had been justified. Damn right, Bush replied. Three people were waterboarded, and I believe that decision saved lives. Despite the copious evidence, testimony, and even first-hand admissions that the Bush regime was guilty of war crimes, however, Bush's speech went ahead as scheduled. The event was well attended by protesters demonstrating their unhappiness with the Canadian government's decision to allow Bush into the country. This was in fact not President Bush's first visit to Canada since leaving office. Earlier this month, Vancouver also played host to Bush's former vice president, Dick Cheney, who was greeted by an even more raucous group of protesters. This is a dark day for Canada. In 2000, the Canadian Parliament passed a statute, the Canadian Crimes Against Humanity and War Crimes Act. And that states that Canada is not to be a haven, not to give refuge for war criminals. In my view, the most obvious, notorious war criminal, or credibly accused war criminal, because he hasn't had a trial yet, is Dick Cheney. Not only did he lie to go to war, his lies leading to a million deaths, but he self-confessed torture. Don't you think that buying tickets to this event is aiding and abetting a war criminal? Does that not make sense to you? Are you aiding and abetting a war criminal by going in? You don't think so? uh, You disagree with that? You don't think that that's aiding and abetting? You don't think that that is aiding and abetting? I'm asking you a serious question. And you can't answer. The door's over here, sir. The door's over here. I'm what? I'm intelligent enough to know what I'm speaking about, sir. You're In 2009, Bush made his first trip abroad after departing the White House to deliver a speech at the TELUS Convention Center in downtown Calgary, Alberta. There, too, his visit was mired in controversy, with lawyers against the war and other groups calling at that time for Bush to be banned from entering the country or arrested for his involvement in war crimes. The Calgary speech was likewise the scene of vigorous protests, with one protester splitting the sky, being wrestled to the ground and arrested when trying to enter the venue to commit a citizen's arrest of Bush. You have got to leave I ask you, as representatives of the people, to arrest this man. I had the chance to interview Splitting the Sky earlier this week about these attempts to bring George W. Bush to justice and what the failure of the government of Canada to act says about Canada's role in international relations. Uh, uh, When George Bush came here with uh, Bill Clinton, 
Uh, we once again uh, had Gail Davison from Lawyers Against War, and this time we had the Center for Constitutional Rights uh, calling for his arrest. We had the opposition from the NDP party calling for his arrest on Parliament Hill. Uh, we I then found out as we were pressing and all of the work that we've been doing to mobilize over these last couple of years, all of the, uh, and I'm talking about major grassroots organizing, uh, just in May of this year, we were at, uh, at Surrey, B.C. To, to launch the campaign, and we passed out 20,000 flyers, as well as about 1,000 posters posted up all around, and we've been on Facebook uh, to the point uh, between the Lawyers Against War, Gail Davison, Center for Constitutional Rights, we then got a major endorsement from Amnesty International, which put out a call for the arrest of George Bush when he got to Canada. And then we called on some of the people that were tortured uh, by the Bush administration in Guantanamo Bay, and they're now calling for his arrest because they want to sue Bush administration. So... So by this time, we came with hundreds more people showing up in Surrey, B.C., in front of the Sheraton Hotel at this bogus economic conference. Uh, there were hundreds of cops out there, the same military. There was a lot of military snipers up on top of the rooftops, uh, helicopters flying around. Uh, we never did get to see them. Uh, there was a number of people that wanted to break the line, but, uh, you know, and I, and I thought, well, maybe I would have to do it again, but, uh, but, you know, it's, you, you can't, you can't do everything all the time. You, 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 I, I set the example and, uh, and, and I gotta let the next wave man take over because certainly if I had done it a second time, uh, the punishment, uh, would be five times more severe than it was. So perhaps you can just speak to what does this say about Canada? Because as I understand it, Canada is one of the only places that Bush and Cheney will dare to visit anymore because um, so many other countries have decided that they will do their duty in, in upholding the, uh, the the charges for uh, war crimes that are so obvious and have been presented by so many respected lawyers around the world. And of course, uh, we saw Bush cancel a visit to Switzerland last year because he was afraid of being arrested. Yet they travel in and out of Canada with total impunity. What does that mean about Canada and the Canadian government? Well, 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 what it says is that finally the world no longer sees Canada as a peaceful humanitarian uh, uh, country that we used to be here. Uh, Canada, under, especially under the Harper regime, uh, and, and since uh, uh, post the free trade agreements uh, of the Mulroney era, uh, Canada has, 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 has degraded itself to the point of becoming uh, a serf, economic serfs of the United States interest, uh, and, and especially the U.S. interest of foreign policies. So the United States is uh, under the Harper regime and basically went gung-ho again, again, under the auspices of fighting terrorism internationally. Uh, uh, the, uh, Canada signed up with the Coalition of the Willing, backed the United States' interest in Iraq, and also backed the U.S. interest in Afghanistan, and provided forces, provided uh, 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 the Joint Task Force two uh, special forces to arrest and detain suspected uh, al-Qaeda terrorists, and then sent them off to these black sites to be tortured. So Canada is complicit in the war crimes. Bush has had to be careful about his overseas travel since leaving office, as numerous countries have indicated that they would be unable or unwilling to shield him from war crimes charges when visiting their country. 
Earlier this year, a planned Bush trip to Switzerland to attend a gala for a Jewish charity was called off when a mass campaign by human rights groups put mounting pressure on Swiss authorities to arrest him during his trip. And former President Bush has canceled a trip to Switzerland. He was scheduled to go on Saturday to speak. However, there was a group there called the Center for Constitutional Rights that says it was prepared to file a legal complaint against the former president if he went to Switzerland. They also want him to be prosecuted for, quote, approving torture of terror suspects. This gives Canada the dubious distinction of being one of the few countries willing to host a visit by an acknowledged war criminal. Now, concerned citizens are seeking answers from their elected officials about how an admitted torturer and war criminal would be allowed into the country to deliver a $150,000 address. When asked to justify her part in allowing the Bush speech to proceed, Surrey Councillor Judy Villeneuve had this to say. We have a history of uh, being involved in various progressive causes in Surrey. What goes through your mind when you see protesters accusing the city of Surrey of hosting a war criminal? Charlie, um, I, uh, I understand and appreciate those opinions, and I have to say that um, I've been part of those discussions in my life as well. But as I was saying to Matt, you know, I also worked for 23 years with the Writers' Union of Canada, and I really believe, particularly in this day and age, uh, about the freedom of speech and the freedom of expression. I think it's really good that we learn to be thinking individuals and we're able to sort right and wrong. And I think many of us have um, some feelings about some of the participants today. Um, but I'm willing to listen, but I'm also willing to make sure that I'm broad-minded enough to make uh, a judgment that's going to be in the best interest of my, hopefully, future decisions on council. It is unclear, however, how freedom of speech can be invoked as a defense from prosecution of war crimes. For now, the Canadian government continues to act on its own arbitrary set of rules for allowing or denying people into the country, apparently happy to side with an admitted torturer and war criminal against the wishes of the vast majority of its citizens. For more on this story and other breaking news and current events, please go to globalresearch.ca. For more research and analysis by James Corbett, please go to CorbettReport.com. All right, friends, welcome back to the hammerings and clatterings of my apartment in Japan, where I'm coming to you tonight, as every night, here on this Labor Day edition of the broadcast, as we have been going over additions, updates, and addendums to some things that we've covered in the past year, and we were just listening to a GRTV report that I put up in October of last year. It's available from CorbettReport.com or GRTV.ca. Of course, I'll put the link in the show notes for tonight's episode so you can finish listening to the last minute or so of that video. But suffice it to say, it is at the very least a hopeful sign that there are more and more Canadian citizens who are aware of the war crimes of people like Bush, Blair, and Cheney, even if the uh, politicians can never be relied on to actually prosecute those war crimes, and I'm certainly not holding my breath for that to happen without a uh, significant paradigm change taking place first. And we are that paradigm, and we are changing. So uh, that is the real shift in society that's taking place, and I believe that the alternative media is helping us to break through those walls and barriers, and hopefully we can 
change things so that true justice can be found for the victims of the Iraq war that was based on lies and 9-11, which was a lie. Speaking of lies, I want to just point people to a, a tweet, actually, that I received as a response to my recent podcast episode. Last uh, last night for me, just this morning for you guys out there stateside, I posted up the latest edition of my podcast, which is called Truth About The Truth About the Gene Revolution. And I hope you'll check it out. Lots of information about genetic engineering, GMO crops, and the lies that prop up that entire paradigm. But uh, as a tweet response I got from at MZ underscore chief on Twitter, uh, she sent me a link to a resource that I've used quite a bit in my own work, and I hope people will check out. It's called overpopulationisamyth.com. So for those of you who want to be able to more intelligently, eloquently, and uh, with with some facts be under your belt, refute those doomsayers of the neo-Malthusian bent who believe that the world is going to be flooded by too many people and we're all going to just die and starve as a result. Well, uh, I, I think there's a lot of information that contradicts that myth, and you can go to overpopulationisamyth.com. For some overview on that, they have some excellent videos that I really recommend people check out that explain very simply why there is not a food crisis in the sense that we don't have enough food. There is a food crisis in the sense that there are very few people who hoard most of the food. And this isn't some sort of socialist rant that we should uh, be forced at a gunpoint to give our things to other people, but that's it, that humanity really can overcome a lot of the problems that we are presented with in more creative ways than simply saying billions of people need to die, which is, of course, the Neo-Malthusian refrain. So once again, I'll, ch- uh, he- I'll ask you to head on over to overpopulationismyth.com. While you're there, go to my Twitter feed, twitter.com slash Corbett Report, as I'm just about, as we speak, live here on the air to tweet a post um, that will send you over to a another radio program on another network that shall remain nameless, where I'm about to appear as a guest to talk about another issue that we've talked about here on the program in the past. That's the o- Osama bin Laden myth. And all of the uh, the craziness behind that myth that is being dredged up by this new SEAL team member book about the Bin Laden raid, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're going to be breaking that down on another radio program just in a few minutes here. So I will tweet the link to that out on my Twitter feed, twitter.com slash Corbett Report. Other than that, I think we're out of time for tonight's edition of the broadcast, so we'll be back with an all-new edition tomorrow night. Once again, 23 hours from now, I hope you'll join me. I promise there won't be as much hammering or clattering in the background. So until tomorrow night, thank you all for listening, and take care.